Hey, how you doing, folks? This is Gospel of Kennison number, I looked, 55, brought to you uh, on January 11th, 2016. I am James Kennison. You can find out more about what I do at jameskennison.com or nlcast.com. Um, last time I talked a lot about discipline and I spoke very fast and got a lot of concepts in. And then I went back and I looked at some of my notes and I realized, um, cause I used to teach this in, in a classroom setting, both to children's ministry people and parents. And I realized I had left out some really key stuff. Um, I'm sure if I went back and listened to it, it would seem like it makes sense, but it's mostly, just stuff that, you know, he believes rather than, um, you know, stuff that was based on biblical standards or whatever. But whenever I remember what I have, you know, what I believe, and I, I don't ever remember the verses. It's a terrible thing. So um, I'm just doing a little bit of discipline follow-up because there's a lot more than just scriptures that I skipped and, and missed. It, it was a lot of the stuff, um, like, specifically about, how do you do um, punishments? You know, I you you I laid out the groundwork of you're supposed to do it, but when and what and what's appropriate? I don't know that I hit that real hard. So we're gonna try to hit up a bunch of stuff, and I'm and I'm thinking it's even gonna be another one after this. But um, I just wanted to tell you a little about what what discipline is. I know I started off with that last time, and I talked about a lot of people get it confused with abuse because, like in my world, uh, discipline, like I said, was um, meant um, that you were going to be in big trouble for everything that you possibly could have ever done wrong. You would automatically be guilty and sentenced, sentenced and punished. Um, and so discipline was always a dirty word for me. And I like to redefine it for folks to help understand what it actually means because it's a good word because it, um, it isn't just punishment. A lot of people think of discipline as punishment. I, I, in high school, I think there was even a person that their whole job was a disciplinarian, you know, like vice presidents and stuff or principals. So, Punishment, though, is not discipline, and you'll see why. Punishment says you were wrong. That's what it says. Boom. You're being punished because you were wrong. That's it. And that is too narrow of a definition. And it's not obviously abuse because abuse says you deserve the worst. You are worthless and you deserve it. And you know that you're worthless because you are being treated in as if you are worthless. And so that's what you learn. But that's not discipline at all. Discipline is, as I said before, not trying to teach someone how to be uh, good or how to behave good, uh, good English. Um, it's about trying to make someone more like Christ, in this case, your children. So discipline says in my opinion, something like this. Discipline says you can do better. You can be better, but you're going to need my help. So I'm going to help. And that statement to me makes so much sense because again, kids don't come out perfect. 
Well, actually, they do. <laughs> Babies are awesome. But eventually, they they sour on you in more ways than one. Um, both the puke on your clothes and, and their attitudes about life, you know, when they start to become toddlers and, and up, they get opinions on things and, and willpower and all those different things. Um, and, and our job is to help them to be better kids so that they will turn into better middle schoolers. So they will turn into better, uh, high schoolers and better college students. But if we allow kids to remain how they are, they are practicing the bad behavior. And if our punishments and our disciplines, uh, do not change that behavior, we are allowing them to practice bad behavior and they will become these, these things will uh, grow into issues that they deal with for the rest of their life or can, can, do you understand that a, a kid's, um, his personality is set hard set in stone at like two, two and a half, three years old, their personality is set. Uh, after that, you've got worldview and their worldview stays pretty fluid until you get them about eight years old. And whether they know what they're doing or know anything about it or not, the way they view the world is set around eight years old. It may even be younger nowadays because the way, um, kids are growing up faster and being exposed to more things. So it is so key somewhere in there between two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight to help them to uh, be the best that they can be where their personality is set and the way they respond, the way they act, uh, their temper level, you know, their attention spans, all those things can be influenced and changed, but you are battling an uphill battle. And then after eight years old, you can change a child's worldview, but you are working against the worldview that they already have. So how much better is it to get them when they're young and help to train them up in the way they should go? Discipline says you can be better and I will help. Um, I like God's definition of, uh, of discipline. If you think uh, again, like I said last week, I'll kind of recap this idea that I have about uh, the, the way the um, I called it last year, last time the uh, the <laughs> the river current, the current of the universe. Okay, um, if I think from God's perspective, it's plain and simple: sin equals death, obedience equals life. Romans six twenty three says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ." Our Lord. God's goal, therefore, we know is to love slash teach us into a relationship with him. Not just love, not just teach, love slash teach. God has set up sin, therefore, uh, to hurt us. And he set up obedience to have rewards. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, that it may go well with you. And you will enjoy a long life on the earth, Ephesians 6, 1 and 3. So discipline isn't just saying you could do better and I'll help. That's the beginning of it. Discipline seems to be the pain that causes us to run 
from eternal death towards eternal life. I used the idea of the candle last time and how if it burned you, that saves you from your entire body being burned. Um, that pain can be a great thing. Um, and obviously, you know, the first thing we think of is punishments, but, but, but hang in here with me. Um, I, I want to read to you Hebrews 12, 15 through 11. See what we can pull from it. And you have forgotten that the word of encouragement that, it, that addresses you as sons, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those that he loves. He punishes everyone that he accepts as a son. Wow. See, this is what I said last time about how it's hard to find a place where God's love is separated from his discipline. Goes on to say, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. There's so much in this. But much more should we sub- how much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Again, discipline doesn't make you a, a, a good person, doesn't stop you from doing bad things. It is to help you share in the holiness, to be Christ-like. Uh, and this is 11. I'll jump back in. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I mean, dang, what else do I need to say? Boom. God, it says if you're not being disciplined by God, you you don't have any proof that you are a legitimate child of his, that you have been accepted because God loves and, and disciplines everyone. And, and and again, if you think of discipline as just slapping somebody upside the head, then you're missing the point of what this means. It's not just God punishes people. God's beating up people. He's disciplining them. He's training them. He's letting their actions uh, catch up with them. And he's letting uh, the good happen and the bad happen alike. Hardships in our life are, are to be ex, uh, to be treated as discipline. Discipline is not a punishment. Discipline is you can be better and I'll help. You see what I'm saying there? If you read through this and you think of discipline in the wrong way, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hate this verse section of verses. But if you realize that it's God what that, what discipline truly is, then then you'll love it as much as I do. So we're still redefining discipline. Discipline is more than just getting on to kids. It's more than correcting them. It's more than spankings or timeouts or and timeouts, if you were me. Uh, discipline done right is just another word for discipling. Literally making your child into a follower of your example, a disciple uh, yourself. Therefore, proper discipline is achieved. When we provide a relationship of love and consistency, love and consistency, 
where children are shown the consequences of sin and the benefits of obedience. It's good stuff. Proper, proper discipline starts with love. That's part of my definition of it. We all love our kids, but love isn't just hugs and kisses. Love holds a child down while we give shots. I mentioned that last time. Because why? It's good for them. Do we like it? Are there tears every now and then in our eyes? Absolutely. Are we proud about how many doctors it took to hold him down? <laughs> Sometimes. But love exposes a child to food that they don't originally like and then keeps exposing them to it. Love forces a child to focus on things that uh, they don't have much interest in, like homework or cleaning their room. Love is also patient and kind. It isn't rude. It's not self-centered or easily angered. Proper discipline starts with proper love. Proper discipline is consistent and predictable. As I said in my definition, when children think about crossing the line, they need to know even before they do it, what is coming. Your response shouldn't be based on your mood or your circumstance. Like if you're in the middle of Walmart, it shouldn't change based on how you feel at any given time. We need consistency and we achieve consistency by having a vision for who we want our child to be being patient and selfless and having a set of expectations and basic rules established ahead of time and consequences for that matter and rewards. If, if they, if they knock it out of the park, when children experience the same discomfort, when they make a mistake in the same, Oh, and, and they get the same encouragement when they make good choices, they will move away from one and toward the other. This is that, uh, that, that, that false, um, current that we're making because the world pushes people toward death and destruction. And we are reversing that in our microcosm, in our family to push kids toward the light. And this is greatly enhanced when they see the principles uh, you set for them lived out in your own life. It matter of fact, I, I couldn't, that's an understatement times a thousand. I would even go as far as to say that, um, that if your life isn't constantly being updated and changed by Christ, if they're not seeing you even on your struggles and your issues and your problems and your shortcomings, uh, you know, laying that stuff at the throne and, and working your way through it with fear and trembling. I mean, you don't even have to be good at it. You know, the Jesus thing, but as long as they see the scriptures stuff, they learn in Sunday school and they come home and they see something working from that Bible in their family and especially in their parents, that's when it sticks. That's when it sticks. It's not Friday night Bible study. It's it's not even the prayers that we pray before they go to bed. It's them watching you day in, day out, seeing God change you as they grow up because you are continually being um, reborn and, and redeemed and changed. But um, one, one thing I want to say before I jump on to the next part about uh, proper discipline has consequences for bad choices. Um, proper discipline is consistent and predictable. Here I, I talked about when, when the child does things, even before they do it, they should already know what's coming. And you do that by laying down ground rules. I talked about last time how you have minimum requirements for any given situation already put down in your head. 
And so your child's behavior is always being balanced against the minimum requirements. Um, like I said, in a stroller, you're you're going to you know sit there. You're not going to try to be leaning forward to fall out. You're not going to be thrashing around inside of it. You're not going to be throwing your cup and you know purposefully smear, you know spilling your food or smearing it. And um, you know there's just little things like that. That's what you want. Now is that things kids do? Little guys do? Yes, but if you have a vision for them, and one of your visions may be eventually. Eventually, bless God, this child is going to go to school <laughs> and I'll at least have him gone until three. What do you want that kid to be doing? Do you want him throwing his food? Do you want him disrespecting you in public places? No. So your minimum requirements can be f- based from that. But um, consistency is important. I'm, I think I talked last time about my daughter and how she had this uh, phase as which is horrible uh, uh, behavior, just screaming and crying and getting all stupid uh, in in restaurants, and it was ridiculous. And and the first time I said we're going to go for a walk, and the walk was going to the car to get a spanking so you could get your butt straightened out and and come back in and and have a different attitude. But I only had to do that like twice, and um, pretty soon the walk. Um, she started realizing she did not want to go for a walk. <laughs> Do you want to go for a walk? No. All right, then straighten up, change up. Come on. And she'd pull it together. Now, I'm not going to say that that was it, because I, I seem to remember going almost all the way to the car <laughs> one time and her being like, okay, okay, you know, in her own way. And she straightened up. And and, and in the world of consistency, that, that sounded like a, uh, a, a, a give-in thing. thing. But if your child changes their behavior and does the thing, then you don't need to punish them unless that becomes a consistent habit where they, you have to tell them three or four more times. Uh, but consistent and predictable. If they, if they know what you're going to do ahead of time and, and it outweighs the benefits of what they're going to think about doing, then they will not do it. It's very simple. So, Uh, Proper discipline has consequences for bad choices. When a child steps over the line, anytime, anytime it goes beneath. All right, let me, let me paint this picture again because I didn't do a great job of it last time, but in my mind, and and okay, I've got this thing at the very top. Imagine the very top of a slide, slide show style deal. It says rewardable behavior. Okay. And then, um, Right under that is a thin line that says, uh, uh, let's see, good good behavior. Uh, adv- no, I can't think of the name. Ex- excellent. There we go. We'll just say excellent behavior exceeds expectations. How about that? And then in the middle is a big fat bar that says normal behavior, expected behavior. Under that is a little thin line that says uh, minimum requirements. And then under that is punishable behavior. Okay, so we got it from the top to the bottom or uh, uh, work our way middle out. So we got normal in the middle going up from that is is uh, exceeds expectations and then rewardable behavior. And then below that, uh, you've got um, <laughs> you got a, a, a minimum requirements. And then anything below that is bad behavior and punishable behavior. 
that's that's how I see the world when it comes to my kids' behavior. And there is always going to be things in that normal category, and they could be different for every single parent. If you don't mind your kid eating its boogers or using a blankie or having a, a pacifier until they're eight years old, then, then that behavior, no matter what it is, no matter what I think about it personally, will go in that normal slot, that nice wide slot. Your minimum requirements that we've already talked about are the things that you will stand up on that hill and die on. This is the minimum you're going to do to still behave. Like I would love for you to eat all of your vegetables, but if you will take three bites, I will let you get up from the table. That is a great example of minimum requirements. Now on the flip side, you got rewardable behavior. Say that kid eats his vegetables and then eats, I mean, just eats it all without any problem. And that's not normal for him. That is rewardable behavior in my opinion. Hey, you're going to get a half a scoop of ice cream. No reason to go crazy, right? But we, cause, cause we don't have ice cream every day. So I have a scoop would be awesome in our family. But, um, so you see how that works, but then eventually eating all your vegetables is going to become normal. Just like going on the potty became normal. And you, qu- we quit giving Skittles to my daughter every time she got potty. Cause she rigged the game. She started learning. If she would just hold it and just let a little out of the time, she would get a lot more Skittles. So see, it's constantly checking the fences for weaknesses. See, that's what children do. Um, but uh, yeah, so consequences for bad choices. Anything below that uh, behavior needs to be hit. It needs there needs to be uncomfortable for them. Um, when a child steps over the line, it needs to be uncomfortable. The consequences of the transgression need to outweigh the benefits. We talked about that last time. A child may want to lose their temper because it feels good to get so angry. They throw things. They hit a pillow. You know, blah blah blah. But if the consequences of the behavior are severe enough, they will choose good behavior because it's just not worth it to lose their temper. And you can help them find other outlets for it. You know, you know why we punch pillows? Because they don't feel anything. You don't want to punch in his sister because she does. Some parents use timeouts, some spank, some use isolation, loss of benefits, It's all about what works best with the smallest amount of effort for you and being able to do it consistently. And that's the thing. You can do this big old elaborate concept and da da da. And just like, you know, your promise to work out at the Y, you're going to fail. You're going to stop it because it's too much. This thing needs to be almost automatic, easy to do. Just like clicking a pen to be able to write. If there was any other steps, you would go grab a pencil, right? Yeah. So keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. The the last the last thing I got here is proper discipline has benefits and encouragement for good choices. This is the part that most old school disciplinarians just don't do. They never got it. It was always the down part, but never the up part. It's not enough just to discourage bad behavior. You've got to encourage good behavior. They are two different things after all. Focusing only on the bad teaches a child not to get caught. Focusing only on the good creates a child who believes that they are entitled and can do no wrong. It's only in the balance of both do we see the results we want. 
I don't believe you have to reward every single bit of good behavior. I actually encourage you not to. But encouragement is free and should be given liberally. It's easy to say awesome things and catch them being bad. Um, well, let me let me rephrase that. It's easy to say something good about a, a kid, but it's easier to only focus on the negative. And if we don't see discipline as a balance between rewarding good and punishing bad, we will always punish bad. We will focus on what the kid has done wrong and never focus on when they've done something right. If I see my daughter uh, share a snack with her brother, I'm not going to give her a reward for that, but I am going to brag on her to her mom when I know she can hear me talking about it, you know, because they like they like it when they hear you talking good about them to people. Uh, The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 15, the rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Ephesians 6, 1 and 3, again, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, that it may go well with you, and you may live a long life on the earth. I want to close this out, um, this section, by talking about the consequences side of things. Um, I've never had to have a lot of... uh, input on the on the reward side of things because rewards are given for you know exceeding expectations but eventually those rewardable things become they slide down into the expected category you know like the first time you were teaching your kid to, to brush their teeth and then you had to add on the two minute minimum thing and then you found that they weren't doing it you know Um, but, but when they do, you, you reward them, you know, you brag on them or you say, okay, great tomorrow. You know what? We got this special cereal or, you know, um, you're going to get a, uh, a a dollar at the end of the week. If you brush your teeth properly every single day, you know, I don't know what, what you do, but rewards are easy. They really, really are. Um, it's hard to mess up kids with a reward unless you overdo it and you reward expected behavior. Do not reward expected behavior. You can hug your kids and say, you know what? You are so awesome. You're just so well behaved. I love you. I know we used to struggle in this area, but now we don't. And that stuff's worth a billion transformers. So don't, don't reward expected behavior. Um, but on the consequence side, I want to share something that I, that I used to do. Um, and I don't have to do it very much with my kids. We, we, we pretty much stick to one and two on our steps, but I have something I call a consequence ladder. And I call it a ladder because at every step you, if you imagine a ladder leaning up against the wall as, as you crawl up this ladder, the consequences get worse and worse and worse. And there's so many benefits to this, but um, in children's ministry, I used to use it and it worked. I I had to create a system that worked for church kids, for drop-off kids where parents weren't involved at all, and bus kids where they were 100% our responsibility and had no parent to tell on. So it had to work for parents that cared and for parents that didn't. I can't go to the bus parents and start telling their kid a whole bunch because eventually they'll say, you know, it's just going to be easier for me to keep them home. 
So what would work? Well, putting a lot of it in, in their laps, the kids' laps, helps. So the first, first rung, first rung on the ladder was a verbal warning. Um, you know, they, they understood the rules. We went over them every Sunday. They said verbal warning. Okay, we're, what we're going to do is you are, you, are, you are talking to your friend there. You're not supposed to. I'm um, just going to let you know if, if you can't stop, we're going to put you in timeout. And that was then rung number two is you got timeout. We already told you this was coming. You can't seem to be quiet next to Billy here. So we're going to move you over to our special bench in the back. Um, you know, you're not going to be isolated. You're, you're still in the service. You can still see you're not in the corner. You're not being embarrassed. You're just being moved to the back and you're going to sit there for one year, <laughs> one minute <laughs> for every year that you have been alive basically for their, uh, their, their, uh, attendant, or, uh, Oh, what do you call it? <laughs> Their attention span. Okay. And so, and you tell them at that point, uh, the third rung is you're going to end up talking to Pastor James, which was me at the time. We're going to have a conversation about that. And then, and only after that, if they still acted up, that's when we got the parents involved. That was the next rung. After that, if the behavior continued and we had involved the parents, then now we know we're dealing with a parent that doesn't discipline their child or didn't do it enough. And so then we move into parental discipline. Let me explain. Because we jump from you uh, telling your parents to one week um, out of the offending class. So, you know, if it was in Sunday school, you're out a week in Sunday school. If you do something at the same thing after your parents have uh, supposedly gotten on to you. And then right after that, a month we jump, And that was the final rung of the ladder. And um, the way it worked is, is pretty, pretty easy. It helped us so much because if you've ever worked with kids uh, and you, and you feel a little out of control of the, uh, of the group, it's, it's so easy, even with our children to start throwing out these threats and we, and you go too far. Right away. There was even an episode of Doctor Who where um, one of the teachers in the, in, in the characters was a teacher and she went to this extreme where she said, if you guys don't hush up, I'm going to call every single one of your parents and send you home. And the one girl said, do it. And she couldn't because that was insane, right? You're going to call the parents and tell them you're, you're uh, come pick them up. What were they doing? Well, they were talking. What? The teacher would get in trouble, right? But I, I've done it. I think everybody that's ever worked with kids has done it or had kids. Um, you know, you're, you've heard kids. I hear them in the toy department, and and I even heard them at Disney World. And the kids are screaming and freaking out at Disney World. And uh, the parents say, "Come on, if you don't straighten up, we're not going to go swimming later, or we're we're going to leave." And and the kid knows you're not going to let them destroy <laughs> the vacation. You know, that kid knows because it's too extreme, right? It's too much. And in classrooms, we do it too. Uh, that if you don't, you know, I'll give you an example. Billy is uh, tapping his pencil on the desk. And um, so he keeps doing it. You can't tell him to stop. And he keeps finding ways to tap. And by the time, you know, 
the the service is over and the parents are coming, you're freaking out and you're just going nuts because you're so mad at Billy because Billy was tapping his pencil. You need to really kill him when you get him home, you know, and you come across like a complete psychopath um, out of control and all this. But if you use the handy dandy uh, ladder of, of uh, consequences, then Billy taps his pencil. You tell him verbal warning. Step one, Billy, stop tapping your pencil. If you don't stop tapping your pencil, you're going to get, you know, eight minutes of timeout. You're probably going to miss out on the craft because of that, because that's when we're doing it. And let him know all in advance. He knows. So he taps his pencil again. He does it a lot. And and so you um, you set him aside, and he, he's there for eight minutes, and you tell him, look, I'm going to go get Pastor James if you can't stop, you know. Well, why don't you just take a pencil from him? Because he's eight years old and he needs to know how to control a pencil. That's why. Because he's not a toddler who picked up a pair of scissors. He's eight years old. Normal behavior, expected behavior. There should be this is in that in that range. And he is going below the minimum expectations for being able to have a pencil. <laughs> So that's why we call Pastor James in the next time he clicks his pencil and he's looking right at the teacher's eye while he does it. And then I talk to him and I tell him, look, man, you this can just stop right here. But if you keep continuing this behavior, I've got to get your parents. So I won't tell him nothing unless you, you know, I would always try to work a deal. And most of the time that would work. But with uh, Marcos, it never worked. And Marcos would tap his pencil again and then I would get his parents. And then when the teacher and me uh, go to the parent and we tell them that he was tapping his pencil, we don't sound like absolute psychopaths. And here's why. Well, my teacher, um, this is me t- telling the parent, my teacher told him to stop tapping his pencil and told him he'd be in timeout. And he, and he did it again right in his face. So they put him in timeout and set him back, to, you know, in there and immediately just disrespectful, looking him right in the eye, tapped his pencil on the desk. So we went and got, they came and got me and I told him uh, that we were going to have to get you involved if he couldn't. And and that apparently had no effect. He he did the same thing. And uh, now we're dealing with a situation that if he does it again, he's going to have to sit in service with you uh, for, for one Wednesday night and see what I've done there. I don't sound like a, a crazy person. And I've established the behavior that it's more than tapping the pencil. It's disrespecting the teacher. It's disrespecting me. It's disrespecting the parents. All of that established by, by this ladder. Now that's, you know, when Marcos was involved, we always ran that ladder all the way up to the top. And for some of our special needs, you know, behavioral needs people, the, the ladder, they had their own. If they would, some of them, if they would just not run out of the building and go down, sneaky, sneak into the, the, the store and steal candy and come back into the service and we not notice, uh, then I was happy, you know? Um, but, but, uh, for typical kids, the, the, the ladder, the consequence ladder works because it ups the ante every single time they do these behaviors and eventually you find that place where the consequences of the behavior outweigh the benefits. You know, in a classroom situation, you might have a kid that likes to make everybody laugh. So he's making fart noises. 
Fart noises are funny. It might be worth a timeout, whatever. I get timeout all the time. But no, I don't want my mom to know or Pastor James to know that I was making fart noises. So I'm going to stop. And see, then from then on, whenever the fart noises happen, that's where we go to immediately because we already have an established behavior and we do not need to go up the rung bit by bit. We jump straight to that point. Now, I did all that to say I had to follow that hardcore because I wanted discipline to be consistent across all of my classes, no matter where the kids were and what grade they were in and whether they were on Sundays or Sunday school, if they were in a big group or small, they knew what was coming. There was no qualms about it. And some teachers, you know, used it very well. Others um, assumed that they knew better, but I, I use all that to say that a consequence ladder for your child uh, is a good idea too. And um, that joined with setting the minimum expected requirements for behavior can go such a long way because whether you're embarrassed uh, in a, you know, no matter what situation you're in, if you're, if you're tired, if you're angry, if you just want to throw them in bed, and tell them to shut up. <laughs> you know, we all have those moments. No matter what it is, if you know your minimum requirements and you, that that automatically tips you off that I need to do some discipline and it and you can trust that. Because my stepdad was an angry discipliner. He when when he was fine, we never got in trouble. When he wasn't happy, everything was was bad. Everything we did was horrible and punishable and and oftentimes it got out of control, uh, discipline wise. Um, I'm sorry, punishment wise, I'm using my own favorite word the wrong way, but no matter if you're sad, tired or whatever, when that child goes beneath the minimum requirements, you know that it's time to discipline them in, in period. Nothing else affects that. It, it, they stepped over the line you know, and sometimes kids, some kids, their personalities wired to where they know when you're not going to be as on it. And then they will they will have behavior problems or or anger or, or a full on fit on the floor um, because they know when you are uh, lax and when you're not. And that's why you need to be consistent every single time they go below the thing. Boom. You get them with something. All right. And that's where the ladder uh, consequence ladder comes in. You know, I think a verbal warning is always a good idea when you first get started. And I'm, and, and that's it. That's the only verbal warning they get because when do you want them to obey you? Do you want them to obey you after you've said it three times or counted to three or after you've threatened them with the next thing on the list? Or would you like them to respond immediately. I'm going to tell you when it comes in handy, my kids every now and then they're putting on their coats. They, you know, their kids, they, they, they don't look when they're walking out of the back of the car and there's a car coming and I say, stop. And, and they stop. They don't even look around to validate why I, they need to stop. They just do it because they they know to obey and it protects them. And after that verbal warning, um, in my family, that would be uh, moving into timeout zone. 
Um, and this is obviously when they're old enough to understand, you know, what it is when they were babies, um, verbal warnings and a, and a pop on the butt, you know, is what we did. Um, if you're not a pop on the butt person redirecting, you know, that child to, to something better, um, and, and then being consistent on it and continuingly, uh, you know, pulling them away, um, from that thing that they're, you know, attracted to, you know, that's, that's, that's something you might need to do with, with me, (laughs) we had a fireplace and I'm like, my vision for my child is I want a kid that's safe around a fireplace. I don't want to constantly have this idiot kid that is constant. I'm trying, I'm constantly pulling them away from, from the fireplace. And so I sat her in my lap. And we sat really close to the fireplace and she reached out her little hand and she touched, she touched that glass and I was there to pull it away. And it, it left a little red hurt and a little owie on there. But I'm going to tell you, she never again went near that fireplace. Never, never played near it, never taught and nothing. And you say, oh, that's mean. Yeah, it's the pain that keeps them from death. I heard the Amish put oil lamps in the middle of the floor with a baby and the baby goes and touches it and that's it. Boom. They instantly have a lifetime respect for oil lamps. I don't know if that's true or not, but it worked in my fireplace example. So uh timeout, you know, it would be a good second rung. And then a, uh, in my family, a spanking would be three. Um, and then after that, we would move on to, uh, you know, long-term restrictions and the loss of, uh, certain benefits. And that's the one thing about benefits and, uh, and rewards that are, that are delayed gratifications type things like, like a dollar at the end of the week or, you know, a couple dollars, whatever it is, or, or some sort of perk that they get. Oh, you get dessert every Friday, you know, that kind of thing uh, is those things are giving given and, and can be removed. And so you're not hurting a kid. You're just not <laughs> blessing them <laughs> as much. I love giving my kids lots of perks, lots of uh, built-in things that they can do. Um, That way, I got lots and lots to take away. My kids right now, they make five bucks a week. And those dollars are hard-earned. Tell you what, they have morning, afternoon, and night um, responsibilities that include putting away their uh, breakfast dishes. It includes feeding the dog. It includes cleaning their room. It includes homework and good attitudes. It, it includes bath time and good attitudes at bath time. Cause that was an issue for a bit and taking too short a bath was an issue. And now taking too long recently has been an issue. Um, but they have to do all these things. And, and at first, yeah, it was hard for them to remember. It was exceeding expectations. You know, uh, now a lot of it's become very normal. During the Christmas break, uh, we all slid out of our, you know, our our regular way of doing things. And now they're back at it. And, and last week they struggled. They forgot to they left the bathroom light on that Jay left his bedroom light on. 
And I feel bad, but I had to remind myself at the very beginning, you're not taking a dollar from them. You're just not giving them one. Because if they miss up on one thing, they lose a dollar for that day. And and it's just a dollar. And they 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 get upset, but it's not enough to where they're they're just devastated. And and let me say that about rewards. I've seen people do this. They make the rewards so grandiose that if the child doesn't get it, he is devastated. Um or if it goes to another sibling, they're devastated. And it, it the rewards need to be small and simple and, and clean. And like today, um, I handed out last week's uh, money. Jenna got four uh, gold coins because I, I go to the bank and I get gold dollar coins because I like to, to give them gold coins. <laughs> like they're pirates and they have these uh, piggy banks that make a lot of noise when you drop them in. So it's so satisfying uh, for, for me and for them. But Jay only got hit two cause he, he, he made some mistakes and um, it was a solemn moment, but he didn't break down or anything. He wasn't happy, but I'm like, dude, who I said, guys next week, who's getting five bucks. And both of them went, me. I'm like, good. I got lots of money I want to give y'all. And so, you know, it was forgotten and it's, and it's time to move on and he'll do it. He'll either do it or he'll make, you know, less money. And, um, that system has benefited me because we've moved past for the large part, uh, a lot of discipline. We have, we, we don't really have to get onto them much. Um, not that there aren't cost, constant, uh, things that we're having to change and improve. Um, well, I'll give you some examples and then I'll let you go. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, well, talking about the long bath thing, this thing happened the other day. They have this super deep tub in our new house and they were using that. Each one of them did. And then they took a shower beyond that. And I know why, because it gets cold when you get out of the tub, but they used up all the hot water. My, my wife is a little upset because that's her thing at the end of the day to use our deep tub. And so, you know, I, I tracked it down, found out the story. Yeah. We both took showers and tub baths. All right, guys, we can't do that. And so what I don't want to rob them of a tub bath if that's what they want to do. But I told them just, just above your legs, you know, just above your waist to your belly button, something like that. And, and that's, that's a bath for you. Um, or you take a shower. You can't do both. Okay. And baths are probably best for the weekends because you guys need to, you know, get a quick shower and that goes. So I give them options. They can take a bath, um, but but a shower is preferred. We told them that, but we gave them some new limitations and they're fine. Everybody's good. So it took care of that problem because, you know, it auto- automatically makes it a shorter thing because they're not doing two things instead of one. And they are not filling up a giant tub. They're filling it up just a, just a quarter, you know, or a third of the way. Um, I'm trying to think of another thing. Oh, I, every now and then I get my kids just a, a little thing of yogurt. They have gogurt that they get with their uh, snacks and stuff like that. But I get them grown up yogurt, you know, and they think it's just so awesome. So, um, but I went in there the other day, I was trying to configure our, 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 our refrigerator because it is a mess because it's not set up 
for us, it was set up by the guys that we bought the house from. But I'm trying to, you know, adjust shelves and things like that. And I noticed that there are holes in the top, the the foil of, of the uh, yogurt. And I'm like, what in the world is this? And it's both of them. Oh, and they're right there. And Jay's like, um, I stuck my finger in it. And, and Jenna says, I did too. It was it was on accident. And I'm like, ah, oh, great. Okay. Well, this, this dropped below a couple of things that have been a problem. Well, once every three months or so, I'll catch them sneaking food. And I don't like that. That's a hard, that's a, that's one I will come down hard on. Jenna got, Jenna got two weeks one time because she was just straight up eating something out of somewhere. And, um, and I've told them why it's a big deal. I'm like, I don't want you guys looking like me. And so, you know, them sticking their fingers in there is one, it comes across like, oh, they, they wanted to taste it, you know, when they weren't supposed to, cause it's supposed to be a breakfast thing. Um, but then I find out, well, we, we were going to eat it. And, uh, and then we didn't have time during breakfast. And so I listened to the story. I always, I always ask them, Jenna, tell me a story. Tell me what's going on. Tell me why this happened. Well, I, I didn't do it on purpose, but I did taste it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, technically she's probably lying. Um, but for me, I don't, that one, I don't care about. <laughs> to me, that falls in the normal category. It's a, not a super lie. It's a, it's a, I'm trying, I think this is going to help me out kind of lie. I don't know. Just, I put myself in their, in their shoes, but, um, but what it did do is I told them, first of all, this, this really smacks of you guys stealing food. And you know how I feel about that. And I said, secondly, you, you put your finger in here and you put it back in the fridge and, and now it's going to taste like fridge because when you, you have to put stuff on it, uh, and seal it up. And so my punishment for that was I took both of them and I very dramatically chunked them in the trash. And I said, and don't expect to get another one anytime soon. Because they, they get kid yogurt. This was a bonus thing. Like I said, it's a perk that I was able to take away because they abused it. Was it a big abuse? No. But did it smack of of my thing with the stealing and, and all this? Yes, it did. So did it need to be stepped on? In my opinion, yes. Did I do some big giant overdone punishment, you know, spanking and sending them to the rooms. No, it didn't warrant it. There was an automatic punishment built in to the system. And, and it's probably what needed to be done anyway, because that stuff had been open chunk it in the trash. So I guarantee you the next time they get yogurt, I will never see that happen again. Silly thing. But to me, it's a big deal because, you know, I, I, I want a certain kind of behavior, especially around food. I want to be able to leave stuff in my uh, in, in, in our pantry and in our fridge without worrying about any of them just coming in and gorging themselves. And uh, that that's just something we don't want to do. So, um, and again, uh, when should our kids obey? First time. No count to three. No promise of a reward. Um I just want to close out with the effects of a well-disciplined child. Um, I, I hope I don't sound like I'm bragging when I say that I, I have kids that are well-disciplined um, that I'm very proud of because it's been a lot of work. They did not come out that way, you know, and Jenna, my daughter, especially 
was a very hard-headed young lady and needed a lot of uh, of help and had a huge temper problem, just temper tantrum, crazy tempers type stuff. But because they are where they're at now, they obviously honor us. Everybody talks about how mature they are and how well-behaved they are, and they're constantly in that honoring us. And anytime somebody says that to me, I make sure during prayer time to really tell them how how proud it makes me when I hear people talk about them um, in a good way, and that just you know makes their day all over again. Um, but I but I also have told them in the past. Do you realize there are things that you get to do that other kids don't? Because I take you to places because I know you're going to behave. I take you to the store with me. We walk through the toy aisle nearly every time we go to Target. I, I've been doing that since high school. But I allow them to do it because they can handle it. They can go through something, really, really think something's awesome and not scream and cry and freak and hug it and, and the whole thing when they can't get it. Um. They they put it on their little mental list for, you know, birthdays or Christmas. Those are things that a, a less behaved kid probably wouldn't get to do as much because why would you set yourself up for that kind of mess? But um, my kids are also chosen to represent their class and their school at different events in the city here. It's already happened a couple times. But you also get kids that are empathetic. And I hope I'm saying that right, because for some reason, when you discipline a child and you show them consequences, for some reason, they become very aware of how their behavior affects not only you, but their friends and other other people around them. They become more caring because they start to understand that it hurt, you know, punishment or bad behavior hurts me. So bad behavior you know, as they, as they develop hurts my friends, bad behavior hurts my parents, bad behavior, you know, and, and, and then that just somehow magically turns into, oh, so-and-so sick. I, I got to be gentle around them or so-and-so is small. I can't be doing this or that dog is, is, um, you know, is, is very frail. I can't go play with him like a normal dog, that kind of stuff. And that's one of the best, best things. But also they learn delayed gratification, which is huge. Today, my son just wanted to buy something. He's got a little bit of Christmas money burning a hole through his pocket. And he just pointed to something up at the, some some bionicle thing. He ain't never done no bionicle stuff in his whole life. But he's like, I really just want one of those as we're trying to get out from the toy aisle. And, and Jennifer's like, my wife's like, no, you don't want that. If you want it, you'll want it next time you come. And that's kind of what we tell him. Is anything they think they want, especially when that burning in their pocket feeling is there. Jay really has it. Jenna doesn't. She's a little older, though. Um, I tell him, I'm like, you don't have your money with you. That means you didn't come prepared to buy anything. That means you don't really want that yet. So, you know, and then I'll talk to him about it. But we'll talk about money on another one. I hope this has been of, uh, of, of, of use to you. I, I welcome your feedback. And if you have any questions on discipline, and uh, especially if it's specific to your situation, because um, 
you know, all, all of my rules and ideas and stuff like that do come from a pretty, pretty, um, pretty good place. You know, it's a husband and wife, loving family, you know, no vices to speak of, you know, two kids, not 17, you know, having to deal with them. So every, every situation is going to be different and, and every situation is going to require adaptive stuff, uh, adaptability with a system. But if you have any questions that specific to your situation, I'd love to answer those. If you want to challenge anything I've said, I'd even love that more because um, challenge is how I came up with what I do in the first place. Um, but I will say this, that if you know my kids, if you've met them or you know them or have dealt with them or, or listened to my daughter's podcast, podcastkid.com, um, then you will know and you will see a sweetness, a, a, uh, uh, just a sweetness about her. She's pleasant. She is not stuck on herself. She doesn't talk like the novel thinking. And that is what was created in her when we destroyed the part of her personality that was pitching demonic fits. I I just, oh, she was crazy and people don't believe it. Jenna, not Jenna. You just don't know. I used to have to hold her down. A stinking exorcist kid down there freaking out because she would hurt her. She borderline hurt herself. She'd thrash around, fall off the bed and, oh, over stupid stuff, you know, but she, we got it. We killed that part somehow through pun, through consistent uncomfortableness, you know, and, uh, and she's a sweetheart now. Anyway, God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you right now here next time on episode 56 of uh, GOK. Peace.